Welcome back. Today we are reading the Bavricha Upanishad. Rather short little thing, uh, translated by Dr. A.G. Krishna Warrior, who, if you haven't discovered now, has translated a lot of Upanishads. Maybe he did all of them. So many of them that I have read here have been translated by him. And I only mention this because I think the translations might be for the most part correct, but often the way of the way they're written is cumbersome. Uh, I once knew a translator who talked about having a, a tin ear when reading something. It just it didn't come across well. And I am a big endorser of taking back Hinduism, decolonizing it. No longer calling it Hinduism, calling it Sanatana Dharma, purifying the scriptures of New Age stuff and Western stuff, and and taking it back from the the trauma that was imparted to it by invaders. And one of those things is retranslating all the scriptures, rewriting them actually, so they read better. Because even though the meaning, and I'm, I'm just kind of looking over this as I'm reading, even though the meaning of this might be rather clear-cut, if it's hard to read, people aren't going to read it. And as I make this video, the world has changed a lot. We live in a world of computers. People don't read like they used to. No one is sitting on the train reading Tolstoy like they did in the 1800s. Does anyone read Tolstoy anymore? And I know so many people go, oh, reading is so hard and it makes my brain hurt. So if we want people to read, we need to give them something that's workable. And I'm not having a discussion here like, oh, well, James Choice is really complicated and Jack Kerouac is really complicated. The thing is, is James Choice makes sense. And Jack Kerouac was known for wild sentences. But if you're looking at something like this, this isn't about rewriting language and being the next Gertrude Stein. This isn't about that. This isn't about some literary movement. This is about relaying ancient teachings. And thus, I think it's time to make these things read easier. If someone would love to translate these into English that flows properly. So it's an accurate translation, but it's more reflective of how we speak. And also the sentences and stuff is clear. I highly endorse that. I highly endorse that. I know this comment has nothing to do with this Upanishad. This Upanishad might be an easy read, but I just, I think it's something that needs to be said. It's time that we take back Sanatana Dharma. It's time that we clean it up and we make it strong again. And by making it strong, it'll grow. And in order to make it strong, we need to make it a little more accessible to people. Uh, like I said, even I have a high reading level you know, when I was in college, I was enjoying G.K. Chesterton, so I'm going to brag about that. But even I struggle with some of this stuff. It just, it's just tough. And when you throw in the Sanskrit, whatever, it's, it's really hard, and it's so easy to give up. And there are times that I've been going through these and these videos on this channel going, why, why, why? So, that's my little, uh, uh, I don't know what we call it. <laughs> My little soapbox moment. So now let's get into the Bhavricha Upanishad. Om. The goddess was indeed one in the beginning. Alone she emitted the world egg. She is known as love's 
part. She is known as the half-syllable instant after Om. Of her was Brahma born, was Vishnu born, was Rudra born, all wind gods were born, celestial minstrels, nymphs, semi-human beings playing on instruments were born of her all around. What is enjoyed was born, everything was born of her. Everything of power was born of her. The egg born, the sweat born, the seed born, the womb born. Whatever breathes here, the stationary as well as the moving, and man were born of her. She here is the power supreme. She here is the science of Sambu, known either as the science beginning with Ka, or as the science beginning with Ha, or as the science beginning with Sa. She is the secret Om, grounded in the word Om. Pervading the three cities, the three bodies, illuminating within and without, she, the consciousness within, becomes the Mahatripura Sandari, being associated with space, time, and objects. She alone is Atman. Other than her is untruth, non-self. Hence is she Brahman consciousness, free from even a tinge of being and non-being. She is the science of consciousness, non-dual Brahman consciousness, a wave of being consciousness bliss. The beauty of the three great cities, penetrating within and without, is resplendent, non-dual, self-subsisting. What is, is pure being. What shines is pure consciousness. What is dear is bliss. So here is the Mahatripura Sandari who assumes all forms. You and I and all the world and all divinities and all besides are the Mahatripura Sandari. The sole truth is the thing named the beautiful. It is the non-dual, integral, supreme Brahman. The five-fold form relinquished and effects like space transcendent remains the one, the great being, the supreme ground, the only truth. It is declared either that Brahma is consciousness or that I am Brahma. In dialogue it is said, Thou art that, or this Atman is Brahman, or I am Brahman, or Brahman alone am I. She who is contemplated as that which I am, or I am he, or what he is that I am, is the Sadasi, the science of Sri, the fifteen-syllabled science, the sacred Mahatarpura Sandari, the virgin, the mother, the Bhagala, the Mantagi, the auspicious one who chooses her own partner, the mistress of the world, Chamunda Chandra, the power of the boar, she who veils, the royal Matangi, dark like a patriot, light dark, mounted on a horse, opposed to Angiras, smoke-bannered, power of Savator, Sarasvati Gayatri, power of Brahman, bliss. The songs of praise dwell in the highest sphere, where dwell all gods. With Rick, what will he do who knows this? They who knows this well, they dwell all right. This is the secret science. Uh, thus ends the Bahricha Upanishad. You may have noticed it said at the end, power of the boar. That's a reference to an incarnation of Krishna. As we have discovered earlier on this channel in reading the Srimad Bhagavatam. There may be other references to Krishna, but we haven't gotten to those parts in the Bhagavatam yet. <laughs> so this is a fascinating one because this is the first Upanishad that actually doesn't treat women poorly. I have ranted on that many times, as much as I have ranted on translation issues and taking back Hinduism and how 
the scriptures have men, and then just women are like sex objects that are distractions and that you need to separate from, and it really drives me crazy. Because if we want people to get to the scriptures, well, first of all, they've got to be able to read them. But secondly, if you're always making women into these horrible things that are just following along men, and that's not going to help cause any. And um, here we have a scripture actually promoting the goddess, which is, which is fascinating. Except I've never heard this story before <laughs> in terms of this, you know, in alone she emitted the world egg. She is, you know, the creator. She's, she's the Brahmin born, Vishnu, Rudra. I've never heard any of that before. That actually contradicts everything I've heard and everything I've read so far on this channel. Now, I'm not saying that this Upanishad is lying. I just can't validate it based on what I have so far discovered. I have read a couple different things on Vishnu being born and creating Brahma and the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, um, Kanta 3, discusses the creation of of Brahma from, you know, the lotus stock, or maybe it's Canto 2, but both of those books refer to the story many times. Nowhere was this female mentioned. N nowhere was there an egg mentioned. So this is something new, which is frustrating, because finally, finally, we've got an Upanishad putting woman right up there, equal and above men, and talking about the goddess, and I, I don't want to say that it's lying, but it's coming out of nowhere with information that is not validated by other scripture. Some people may say that doesn't really matter, this is a revelation, and I got that. But you should also understand, when it comes to Hindu scripture, Everything builds on what's come before. You had the Vedas, which are outlined, you know, some theology or whatever, and then you have the things like the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Puranas and Sutras. They're not all completely separated out. They're not just sometimes overlapping. They are building on each other. It's like a building. You have the foundation. That's probably the better example. And then the walls and then the next floor you don't suddenly have a fifth floor and nothing between nothing below it and that's what this feels like like suddenly here's the fifth floor well we don't have the ability for floors to float in space i feel bad because finally we're discussing women and, and i i'm trapped i don't know what to do at this point in my reading maybe later i'll be able to answer this and i can come back to this so it's 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 oh frustrating Anyways, thoughts, comments, anything I've mentioned in this video, uh, talked about a few things that aren't directly related to the Upanishad itself, but <laughs> you know how this channel goes. Anyways, please down below anything you'd like to say. If you have an Upanishad that directly relates to this one, that validates this one, or maybe uh, a 
some other Hindu text that you can refer me to, that would be really cool. I will put it on the list for when I read more Upanishads. It'll be right there, uh, one of the first ones I get to, and maybe we, I can look at them back and forth. Or just for others watching this video, they get to see the building that right now is missing. Much appreciated. All right. With this, we'll say Harry Krishna, Harry Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Harry, 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 Rama, Harry, Rama, 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 Rama.